0: the current putative front runner uh at this point or at least the people that like the press have knighted as their sort of sensible moderate who's going to save them from uh either electoral irrelevance or scary policies uh, is now west streeting a man, you know, Wesley a Wesley Streeting, a man whose literal only experience, other than just climbing the greasy pole of the fucking Labor Party, is being in charge of the National Union of Students. Yeah, he's he's purely a creature of student politics, yeah. which is fantastic. It's exactly well, what we. I mean. think it's because I think what what I think no one ever understood who's who sort of trotted out that student politics thing is that student politics is only ever about, um, or at least a great all the people who are like get big in student all politics the people we don't like no, in student no, what politics I, what I think is all the people who get big in student politics these are the people who are just imitating what the adults are doing which i think is why mm. west reading seems like such a haunted doll and so uncanny
1: <laughs> do do you kids want to be like the real labor party or do you just want to squabble and waste time Yeah, yeah well, kind mean.
2: of i mean like it's also like student politics during a period of time i mean i'm, I'm trying to like I I was sort of tangentially involved in student politics in my final year in a very very minor role. And look
0: where you ended up. Mm. Hey, you you're you're, t-
1: you're talking to the uh the former student vice president of Langside College until that college <laughs> went bankrupt and merged. <laughs> well, with I was three. yeah.
2: I was sort of just like, I was like I had some minor sort of officer role which involved me going to like council meetings once a term and like I didn't go to that but my partner uh who uh i also got elected was very very into it in a way that like was very much um someone who would have very much fantasized about being in the in like the labor party Mm -hmm. uh Mm. but like i think it was also this period of time where there was a conflict over like what the nus should be because crucially um, at least like when i was at uni like it was about the time when the uh student fees were going up as the coalition was uh, set up mm. and uh you know there were like demands but like no the nus should be like a lot more radical about like you know uh getting fees down and like you know uh renegade oh, sure especially yeah. because like the lib dems had sort of like sold this promise for such a long time and that was like placed in conflict with like other nus people especially like nus people who had sort of stayed in student roles well past like graduation date who very much had like their eye on kind of going into labor mm. party politics like and crucially like trying to revive new Labourism. and i think west street is like a very good example of the kind of guy a lot of student politics people between like 2009 to 15 wanted to be and, and possibly earlier,
1: that, yeah. but- the, the, one, one of the guys who like helped deliver like bringing the nus to heal a bit yeah I always felt like
3: that like the student student politics in general was a bit of a like soft play area for some of the more insane people <laughs> at any university. I always appreciate 100%. that whenever whenever some people are mad at me online, it always comes up that I ran for the Cambridge Student Union presidency as a joke. And it's like, oh, yeah. And he thought it was funny to take the piss out of the Cambridge University Students Union. It's like, yeah, Wait, where'd you go?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was an angry well, the, the, <laughs> no.
3: the,
1: the, reason, the reason why I was vice president at the equally prestigious Langside College in Glasgow was because Much I ran for president. College. I ran for president also as a joke and placed second. So, <laughs> uh, so
0: okay, Keir Starmer. Uh, electoral advice proven strategy a, a man who ran for a-
1: for prime minister of the united kingdom as a joke and placed yeah. second yes yeah. <laughs> claim you're
3: going to make julia fox everyone's girlfriend yeah.
0: run is <laughs> a joke um, mm. uh, that's basically what he's doing.
1: <laughs> Just do what I did. Make a sort of faux socialist, realist,
0: Stalinist poster, which I have since scrubbed off the internet. Uh, so uh, if you find that poster, DM me. Joking, you can't. My DMs are closed. Um, so <laughs> look, there's, there's, some, there's, some, there's some politics afoot. Uh, there's also some, uh, some developments in technology afoot. I want to talk for, like, five minutes about the... Poly- By the way, hi, it's TF, everyone. Um, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, this, this, <laughs> this
2: wasn't just a phone call between friends. I I was told that I was going on the Red Scare podcast. I'm very disappointed. Uh, I will be locked up.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I need to put some ice in this, uh, this can of vanilla Coke so I can, like, <laughs> get the noise yeah. going.
0: I'm sorry, this is actually uh, the... This is this is the, 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 the Romaniacs, I'm afraid once again. Welcome to the National Union of Students podcast. You know, um, you know, so so think some shit's happened, right? Uh, oh, number no, one, not again. But number one, this is TF. Uh, it is Riley, Milo, Alice, and Hussein. <laughs> it's the free one. And yeah. God damn it, he was right. <laughs> Finally figured out my clever this is, plan. This
1: is student TF. It's a lot like regular TF, but it's a lot more annoying. So yeah,
0: it's that's that correct. It's my my new plan <laughs> is eating
1: his beans for weeks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you have the pedant that like just wants to council meetings, go back on time. You have the guy who like, won't shut up about going to Cambridge. Um, You have the guy who just sort of just like ran because they want to like boost their CV, but doesn't want to be there. That would be me.
0: Uh yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're at Cambridge, everyone's the guy who won't show up about going to Cambridge. No, um, so uh, I, I, I was trying to fool Milo out of doing this, the free one thing this time by making it indistinguishable from when we went into from pre-show chat into show. And yet again, he has uh, bested me. I may not be smart, mm. but I've got instincts like a
3: horse. Yeah,
1: but- <laughs> <laughs> that's. That's a beautiful sentence. That's gonna be that's gonna be running through my mind yeah. for a while. Like a horse. I'm slightly paraphrasing
3: something Nate told me. One of his commanding officers once said to him about a certain kind of attractive
0: woman.
1: I knew I knew it had the like imprimatur of a military. On
0: uh, so yeah. one of the things that we've done today uh, is, in addition to having all of this, um, you know, mm. uh, jiving and capering up front, uh, we are actually going to be in about. In this, some amount of time, we're mm. going to be um, talking to a journalist and privacy researcher from South Africa, Heidi Swart, about her, uh, an article she co authored about how uh, digital surveillance is sort of bringing back a lot of the apartheid era kind of by stealth. Oh, we're we're, ge- we're going to have a
1: bit of a serious chat. We're gonna You're going to get your dessert and then your vegetables. And throughout that segment,
3: you can note how much I'm straining not to do a particular <laughs> voice, despite constant invitations to do so from the source material.
0: Yes, that's uh, right. But look. Father McMurphy, of look, course. Look, here's the thing. Last time we spoke, we were talking with uh, uh, Brett Scott and we sort of noted, hey, that's interesting. One of those algorithmic stable coins that seems to be uh, always sort of vaguely, thr- like, like that someone has, I don't know, put a giant pyramid on top of a knife balanced on a tightrope that mm. somehow is the future of the economy, seems to be kind of like, like its stablecoin is depegged Tentering. Uh It yeah. seems to be in some trouble. Uh, well, uh, update. <laughs> it's, uh,
1: Uh-oh. Just, ca- just coming off of the crypto implosion ticker. Yeah. Um, All my apes it's, gone it's to zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. Oh, many people will be financially ruined.
0: Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Right when we last spoke, it was Monday of um, last week. And yep. that's the episode you'll have heard on Thursday. And so now rather than this just is the calendar podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so- a real peek
1: into the TF workflow.
3: There. So that look-
0: was the past, but at the time it was the present. Yeah. So try to keep up. But so basically, rather than just like depegging, the entire Terra Luna hate to algorithmic stablecoin ecosystem just seems to have unraveled with I believe with trading halted, and I believe Terra having gone to a big flat zero. Oh no. And, and Luna being worth a very, very not much more.
1: No. And the, the, like, the knock-on effects from this have been so funny. Dogecoin has plummeted. Even fucking Bitcoin well, has, has like plummeted. I, wa-
0: I want to ex- explain a little bit of, of the mechanics of how this happened, and then we'll talk about, like, you know, what...
1: We'll- That's because everything was built together in some kind of, like, house of cards. Dogecoin has plummeted? That's
3: going to piss off the Venetians. Oh, <laughs> might have to do another fourth crusade. Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, might have to do another forty-six rounds of choosing. Uh, mm. so no. Uh, so basically, right is is that it, much like the normal normal banks. Whenever you're about to land a history joke, you just you adopt the sort of like late night voice. It's. Perfect. <laughs> what? this like we Paul a little
3: round of choosing music, Paul. Just
0: pa- <laughs> yeah. Paul Schaefer and David Letterman sort of riffing back and forth about the method in which, with which the doge was chosen, like once it had no longer really been that much of a democracy if it ever even was.
1: Some, uh, some Enrico Dandolo
0: music, Yeah, that, Janissaries, Paul, or was that the other guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so basically, right, um, is that all of these different stable coins, right, they all exist to just lend to one another, and they just exist to use, one, a lot of the times, to like provide liquidity to one another, right? So there's just mm. a lot of interbank lending. But unlike 2008, where that interbank lending at least gave some people some houses for a little while, um, this all of this interbank lending is n- just not connected to the real economy at all. But what it means, right? <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing the subprime mortgage crisis, but like, dumber and faster. Way faster! That's apes! With it's more th- ape, <laughs> like,
1: like the subprime ape, crisis. Like, like the
0: various, like like the fuse of the dynamite that was lit for the subprime mortgage crisis. Like that dynamite was laid like back in the fucking seventies. Whereas it seems hmm. like 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 we sort of had like an inch long fuse uh, for this particular crisis. <laughs> where it's just like like projects would bubble up, would sort of swell up and pop, kind of like just like a foam. Uh, but so right, it's so, all very irascible, you know. Yeah
1: delicious haute cuisine phone.
0: So mm. like, what would happen, right, is let's give an example of Tether, which, by the way, at the time of recording, has also depegged. Uh, oh, Tether, no. of course, being the, by far, the hugest stablecoin, Bil- tens of billions of dollars of value in, in Tether.
3: Well, I presume it'll all be fine once Tether produce all of the evidence of all of that uh, cash value backing that they have.
0: So they, ha- they basically, they have, if you remember, they have some cash, some precious metals, but most of it is just in short-term commercial paper, which means like debts. And the thing is, like, like, like lending, like lending and, and, and credit, and the thing is, some people were like, oh yeah, maybe that's Chinese property companies, who knows? I personally think that because the DeFi system requires so much lending and credit on the blockchain already a lot of that short-term commercial paper i would bet is just other uh defi projects like for example terra luna and so all of a sudden when one crashes it can then it ends up having all, all of a sudden it's like wait a minute all of my short-term commercial paper to terra luna is now worthless which means that tether is going to depeg uh which mean that or whatever caused it to de- depeg so yeah. so the the 2008 crisis yeah.
1: happened in large part because banks would like call in loans to other banks which were also all doomed packages of loans yes. this is like this except uh what they're calling in is not a house but instead oh our thing is also made up yeah, exactly because everybody everybody thought everybody else was the only person who was doing a real
0: thing and they were just bluffing yeah it's it's every well it's like so like for example right um Terra luna works It says the stablecoin works because, like, there's a swap you can do between that one and the one that fluctuates in value, and the idea is that, like, I won't. It doesn't matter of the details, but that you can always swap them back and forth in such a way that, like, it it tightly hovers around a dollar. And but that only works if everyone believes that this is a valuable project that other people want to buy. Which, in addition to being again a scheme in a certain shape. Uh, is fucking orc technology. It only works if everyone believes it hard enough. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's true of the real market also, Uh but, like...
1: This is as we've seen this is like what if we took away all of the safeguards yeah. under this or also all of the material reasons to participate in the real market <laughs> yeah li- yeah. What if, what if we did a second economy as a joke? this is
3: like libertarian and in spectacles right they're they've like they're all getting to learn a lesson about
0: why why <laughs> there
3: are rules
0: um, but so like but that but that's that's the other thing right is that one of the differences between the crypto economy and the real economy is that because the real economy involves like human labor and the making of things, the real economy isn't necessarily zero-sum, right? But the crypto economy is completely zero-sum. The only way mm-hmm. to get a dollar out of the crypto economy is if someone else puts one in, right? Yeah, cool. And so that means all of this yield farming, these stable coins, these guaranteed returns, whatever, it was just people putting money in and taking it out. But then all it takes, and because they're so interrelated with one another at this point, all it takes... Is one of those tokens right? If it's big enough, like Terra was, it was a top ten, and then uh, fucking Tether is f- fucking enormous. Like p- could po- mm. like systemic risk level of levels of enormous. Um, it, it, that all it takes is one person losing their confidence in one, and then it's like a it's like a game of Jenga, but where every single block is completely integral for the entire tower standing up, and also an ape. It's... it's it- it's a it's a classic bank run okay.
1: except uh in service of nothing by idiots and, and and with none of the like
0: oh my god and 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 Do Kwan, one of the guys behind like the guy behind Terra. It's a
1: classic Doge run. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, the, the, I love that was my favorite uh, Venetian charity event, the Doge run where he just pretends yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a normal guy. All the private yeah, the most firms the in most Venice serene join in. <laughs> the most serene Republic of Venice fun run, just the mm. weirdest vibes. Uh, but no, so it's more of a triathlon. The Venice fun run. <laughs> so, but like, so if you think of it that way, right? It's that they're all that they're all completely interrelated. They're completely zero sum, uh, and then it's incestuous. Yeah, and, and then when one when one falls apart, yeah, there's this systemic risk because they all just provide liquidity to one another for the purposes of more effectively providing liquidity to other other ones of them, but never actually engaging with anything. But also the other
1: thing, right?
3: Wait, so they're kind of like the Habsburgs. They're all fucking each other and making each other more liquid.
1: <laughs> An ape filled entirely with water.
0: yeah. But <laughs> so like,
1: one shriveled black testicle. Here's,
0: here's the fucked up thing, right? Right? Which is that... Um, oh, here's the fucked so, up. So, like, as Tether... Because Tether holds billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars of treasury bills, right? It actually has acquired some of these now. Doesn't mean most of its shit is, like, still not garbage, but there is enough of that. If they're forced to, like, rapidly sell tens of billions of dollars worth of U.S. debt, right? Uh, uh, (laughs) Or, like, billions of dollars worth of of corporate bonds, that affects that market. And that means that the price on those could also crater. And that affects the real fucking economy. (laughs) Awesome. isn't, Isn't a shit ton of, like, very
1: very stable sort of uh investment like pensions and stuff heavily into t-bills also it's not
0: that they could crater t-bills right like you'd be much need to be much bigger than tether to do that but they could affect like if you sold all of that at once that would have an effect on the market great Uh, and, and, and that's the other thing it's not like an orderly unwinding it's a forced sale of all of it all at once because you've put up, because what you've done is you've gone to the track for, for, for sale apes. Never used. What yeah. you done is you've gone to the track and you've bet your house on a horse that isn't racing. Yeah, it's an ape. It's not been allowed to compete. <laughs> you uh, can't <laughs> race that thing. It's an ape. <laughs> but going back to <laughs> Chinese, best sir. Yeah. And that's the thing. Also, like some some com- countries are directly, imp- and the other, that's the other thing. Bitcoin's price price is going down as well. Oh.
1: Oh, uh, this yeah. is, you know who's really going to take a haircut here is El Salvador, and this is their sort of divinely ordained punishment for electing a Redditor. Uh, which
0: is why Navalny also needs to stay incarcerated. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, joking. Joking.
1: Um, I, I, yeah, Pu- Putin, like, reading his intercepted texts and, like, uh, giving the kill order the second he gets to pick Warwick. <laughs> uh, uh, but
0: no, like, so, so countries like El Salvador, right, they're heavily invested in Bitcoin, but this contagion also causes Bitcoin to go down because as Tether pr- makes up its own fucking money and prints, it buys Bitcoin, runs up the price, and then with it with its valuable Bitcoin in its uh, treasury, is then be like, well, we can print more Tether because the Bitcoin's worth more. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, this this is bad enough
1: without a naive book like buying the dip, Oops and mm. then the
0: dip continuing to dip significantly Don't more. Stop dipping! Stop dipping! But like it's it's it, talking of buying the dip, right? The other thing is, and this is why I get back around to like, you know, just remembering who the fucking boosters of this were. It was celebrities. It was like Bill Clinton and Tony oh, yeah, Blair. Th-
1: th- th- there are like real victims yeah. here, and also perpetrators. And like on the one hand, it's very easy and fun and profitable to have Schadenfreude, like the Onion headline: "Man who loses everything in crypto only wishes several thousand more people had warned him," but. <laughs> (laughs) Like, you think about the society that engenders these things, that has a lot of people in very desperate circumstances, and a lot of very rich people telling them that the only way to get rich is quickly and through hustle, and that's what they did. And, I mean, you can see this in, for instance, sports. Um, You can see that, like, crypto stuff displacing betting shops as sponsors of sports clubs.
3: Let me tell you, when I found out there was a private island in the Caribbean full of uh, full of libertarians who'd <laughs> all spent a lot of money on rare apes, I was uh, very disappointed when I got there and saw it for myself.
1: <laughs> but, 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 like, no, but, like, real people are gonna fucking window themselves over yeah. this, and it's- n- none of the people who are, like, materially responsible for them being in that position are gonna, you know, see anything like any consequences
2: Yeah, well, there's already, like, on- oh, there's that thing that went viral- of, like, uh, on Reddit, like, people kind of saying that, like, they'd lost, like, all their income and they were, like, you know, they Mm -hmm. were kind of threats that they were, like, going to self-harm and, like, commit suicide and stuff like that. All that stuff is, like, really kind of, like, actually heartbreaking to read and listen to. Um, But the reaction to it has sort of been, so, like, uh, Bukele, for example, in reaction to, like, any sort of Bitcoin kind of collapse is in complete denial about this. And is just, like, yeah, well, actually... Um, we, uh, we bought even more Bitcoin during the dip with like, and then sort of like a string
1: of kind of cry laugh emojis or whatever. Um, but like, yeah, there's kind of in the the Salvadoran Führer bunker ordering more Bitcoin British British boomer confirmed.
2: (laughs) basically but like and that's a really scary thing because it's like well you know he's you know he's kind of like integrated even more of like this kind of precarious you know the economy like an already precarious economy to this like extremely precarious like financial system um like on the basis that like it gets him lots of retweets whenever he does it uh but like you know, there is that kind of broader thing too, which is that so much of like you know, to at, at the basic of, at the basis of all sort of crypto projects is really this kind of you know, you sort of like getting people who have this unwavering belief and like you know that this is the future and like this isn't just the future that will benefit them, but this is you know by kind of like partaking in crypto and block you know blockchain tech and everything, they are like advancing the progress of the world.
1: Yeah, um, you know what, Riley, that's why you're wrong. This isn't Ork shit, because Ork shit, all of their technology depends on everybody who's using it, like, believing it. This is more like, uh, like designing a thing that only works if the, like, rubes who are getting ripped off by it believe it and, like, and for yeah, as long and, as possible and, until you get out and i
2: think like the scary thing about it is and you know i think it was either like ryan broderick's newsletter or i think like the real life newsletter who like they wrote about this like a few months ago which is like well what happens when like a millenarian project like collapses right or what happens when like you basically have like a cult that collapses and when
1: prophecy fails
2: right and you know the, the, like usually like, that's that's i think when you really like you really enter like quite a bizarre vibe shift and i was just thinking about like well what happens in like what happens in el salvador when this already kind of like very overtly authoritarian oh, government like their sort of like basis of existence completely falls
1: apart you know oh, it's gonna look like the fucking heaven's gate away team in the presidential palace <laughs> thinking
3: <laughs> I, I, i'm sorry the fucking uh, el salvador furor bunker about crypto is really distracting me <laughs> 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 mine, mine apes what about <laughs> the like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: but I think it's the um, it is true because like the the thing is a lot of there has been a lot of I think but like very um very sort of personal invested investment of almost and again we've discussed this before an almost religious desire for salvation into crypto because it's the last promise of here is capitalism without institutions. It will be capitalis- it'll be the capitalism you always dreamed of. And, you know, in a sense, here is capitalism without institutions. We made up all our yeah. own money and took all of yours. <laughs> if you deny me on earth, I'll in divide, deny you in front of the ape. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, and this sort of comes back to the fact of, you know, there uh, people who or, are or either, I don't know, I mean, sort of ins- either insanely irresponsible uh deeply cruel or incredibly stupid uh such as uh, Matt Hancock lost that Jonathan Saffron fur <laughs> book. saying, saying you know, Matt Matt Hancock for example saying just last week as he talks about the need to integrate stable coins into the UK system of payments yes you may lose everything but you may not I don't know it see- <laughs> Matt Matt Hancock here both a victim and perpetrator <laughs> uh, yeah the one of the rare ones um yeah and like I don't know, it just, I can't like, sort of get get over the fact that, like, there's that, you can't, you can't blame the people who who sort of, you know, fall for it, right? You can't, because mm. they are following every single authoritative voice, right? They are following the ideology, they are, they are doing the thing that we said A they should do. I fucking Mark Wahlberg went on, on TV in the Super Bowl, and like...
1: You know, nobody stopped him. Not, nobody like regulated that. That was perfectly legal. And if it's legal, then it must be a safe enough investment.
0: <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's just it's it's seeing it actually happen. It'd be like Elon Musk
1: gonna like hustle, yeah. gonna be on my grind set. Um, you know, maybe you know
0: one guy who made a lot of money off of it. So yeah, yeah. no, totally. I mean, and, and see, but seeing it actually happen, right? To seeing this actually mm. occur, um, you know, it's just. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm at the point now where it's like I don't, I, where it's I, you're taking just remembering who it's actually hurting uh, it's taking very little solace in that and remembering that like but that, that this doesn't like, like the subprime crisis doesn't work unless there is a whole bunch of people who lose everything because it's ultimately a massive upward transfer of wealth. This is just it's <laughs> this it's it's very similar, right? It's you're telling a story. It's you, you're tell because most forms of credit are essentially about telling a credible story about what's gonna happen in the future. And um, when you're just, it, it, and, and in this case, right, you are telling a credible story about what's gonna happen in the future with your fucking token. But also, you're, you're, if you're a bank in 2006, you're telling a, credi- a credible story about what's gonna happen in the future regarding this mortgage being paid back or whatever. In, in both cases, these were not very credible. They were found to not be very credible. And the people who told these stories, they end up, I don't know, say leading the vision fund at SoftBank. For example, mm. and everyone else ends up, uh, you know, living in uh, lost, left decade. holding the yeah, bag, yeah, going to
3: become Mr. Musashi. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I want to talk also uh, about um, uh, uh, the uh, an article, an article that has um, I've noticed. Mm.
3: I love to
1: talk about an article.
3: I'm mm. to talk about an article.
0: The Birmingham Bull Ring Bull, that famous bull, a statue of bull. Yep. Yeah, Birmingham yeah, Bull yeah. Ring. One of
1: one of one of now three bull statues. New York. Miami, with the crypto bull, which is going to be yeah, even yeah. funnier, and Birmingham.
3: I personally think, you know, the practice of bullfighting is barbaric, and they shouldn't be doing it in Birmingham anymore. bull barbaric that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's when you're
0: barbaric to bulls, it's yeah. bull Uh So, the Birmingham Bullring Bull, by the way, if you were thinking that maybe Britain's not doing enough about its mental health, listen to this. I'm
3: very right. excited <laughs> to hear what we're doing for the blokes.
0: Uh, well, they're taking the bull and they're taking it away for mental health. Oh, they're going to make it... No,
3: literally what it says is it's going to disappear. Sorry, like, we're, we're now doing Job Bluth politics.
0: Yeah. Like, that's a trick. Yeah.
1: Do it, doing a, like Brendan, where I'm like taking away figurative artwork from the public space is is conceding belatedly to ISIS. Mm.
0: So, uh, so basically, what's happened is uh, there's a bull statue in Birmingham and it is... T- well, not anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> on account of mental health. This would
3: yeah. be very funny if they just, this is just part of a plan to steal it. And this is like,
1: yeah. it just proves how
3: easy it is to get away with this. Now, look, no, we'll bring it back when the mental health is better. So- when all the chaps have been checked in on.
2: Funny enough, the same rationale—the uh, same rationale that was uh, used to uh, to justify 9/11—that we don't really talk about much these days. <laughs> so,
1: we well, also also throwing the statue of Edward Colson in, Br- in Bristol Harbour, yeah, like great. maybe he was looking for mental health down there, <laughs> yeah.
0: and that's why they had
1: to acquit so, them. is because of
0: that defense. So look, here's the thing: I- I'm I'm one. I'm sure that you're all wondering by what logic. Does the temporary... No,
1: no, I'm not. I'm not wondering that at all. I'm just wondering when someone's going to do it to the statue of Churchill in Um, Parliament Square. uh, Legally speaking, we are not wondering that. Uh... (laughs) So, <laughs> no, I mean the authorities. When is the government gonna pick it up and like take it away on the basis of checking in with your blokes in a Churchillian <laughs> manner? So, no. Of course, you've well, got to
3: keep in mind your blokes. So too many chaps say eh, your it cha- up.
1: your Churchill's very Yoda. <laughs> I'll say that. What?
3: Too too many chaps bottle it up. They do. <laughs> well, that, no. Fucking uh, hell. If, I've, One if of the only more
1: cursed <laughs> voice combinations.
3: Too many Churchill yeah. Bottle it up.
0: They do. Look, mm. you're really,
1: about really in many ways, Churchill was Britain's baby yoda. Okay, yeah. look,
0: you're gonna hear about the rationale whether you fucking want to or not, <laughs> mm. and it's because charities and mental and health bosses have said it will remind people to use quote no bull when talking about mental health.
3: Yes, oh, what? let's fucking go. <laughs> Come on, this is so good.
1: This is Nathan for you now. This is awesome. <laughs> Absolute marketing brain. Yeah.
2: oh so good. Yeah, like, you, have, you have two guys. You have two guys going out to Birmingham. They'll point mm. at the empty space. One guy will be like noble, and the other guy mm. will say mental health and that. And, you that, know and that. This is, this is,
1: yeah, you know what this is this is a mat cartoon <laughs> <laughs> Give, given given life. <laughs> They had like a talking,
3: they had like a talking penguin, like a soft toy that they were throwing between each other while they were brainstorming this one. They're like, no, no, the person who holds the penguin talks. It was that, it was that kind of a meeting. You just know it.
0: Well, here's the thing though, do
3: you? The bowl isn't actually going to be gone. It's just going to be oh.
0: covered by a box. Uh-huh. so they've replaced uh, the bull. Uh, don't don't, big...
3: ask, don't ask what's under the box. <laughs> they've
0: replaced the bull with
3: the big <laughs> box, it. the shame cube. <laughs> that's the mental health box.
0: And uh, this
3: is also they're going they to remove the box at the end of this thing, and the ball's going to actually be gone, and the, then they'll be sorry.
0: Here's the thing they've They put <laughs> Darren
3: Brown hold on, strikes again. It's not
0: the best part. Is they've put like the Samaritans number on the side of the box. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I understand that your heating bills have doubled, but have you considered? Wait, uh, a box. Yeah. <laughs> They're <laughs> taking marketing no
3: advice from the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford where we, we went there and uh, so the Pitt Rivers Museum was really famous for having an exhibit of shrunken heads from, like, Southeast Asia, somewhere or Indonesia. I'm not sure where they got them, but anyway. Um, and uh, and they, there was a campaign by the students to get the shrunken heads removed from the museum. And so now where the shrunken heads used to be, there's, like, the massive cabinet that's boxed up and it says on the side, have you come to look at the shrunken heads <laughs> in huge letters? <laughs> and then there's, like, a really long explanation of why the shrunken heads aren't there anymore. And this is so much funnier than having a shrunken head exhibit could possibly be.
0: Yeah. So it's ba- essentially what has happened is, um, yeah, it's, um, like, I don't know they, if they just forgot to think of something and then improvised yeah. in the room, mm. but now if you wanted to go see the, bull, the famous bull at the Birmingham Bullring, uh, you would only see a box with the Samaritan's number on it, so you would mm. be reminded uh, not to use any bull uh-huh, mm. when talking about mental health.
1: Well, when are we going to do a live show in Birmingham? I think we have to visit a city with this kind of dynamism, energy, uh, commitment to the The problem
3: is people are using too much bull when they talk about the mental
1: health.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, what I love is just, like, the extent to which mental health just ends up becoming this kind of catch-all for all of the- Yeah, because it
1: it has no cause, and it barely fucking has any treatment because you can't get any on the NHS, so- it's just this thing of, like, oh, do you feel down sometimes? But, like, not in a dangerous way where you might want to, like, you know, hurt yourself or anything. Just, like, do you ever get sad? Of course you fucking do. Everything's terrible. Well, maybe what you need right now is to, like, practice some mindfulness. <laughs> you phony <laughs> going up to a guy who's about
3: to jump off a bridge and going, don't worry, we've hidden a ball. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know what you're going through And believe me, I thought there was no way out too I've been to that place But then I found out that they've encased a bull In a box <laughs> We've put a bull in mind jail That's right, it's Schrodinger's bull well, now
0: saying, it's, it's like the mental All this mental health stuff, right It's because is these, as you say. I think it's not a problem with no causes; it's a problem with many causes. Mm. Just the causes. No, no, no.
1: it's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem whose causes are an intellectual lacuna. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's a problem yes. whose like whose causes cannot ever be it's addressed. Like that James Dean film, Rebel, whose is an intellectual lacuna. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 these are problems whose causes. What are you rebelling against? As oh, an
0: intellectual, lacuna. you're not allowed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. It's more like you're not allowed to know that. It's like more like it is not allowed to be knowable. Mm, yeah, um, anyway, so yeah, there's this there's this great big morass of, of these problems and what's so great because it because like the people who like want to just say, well, mental health is the root cause of all these problems, not a symptom of other deeper material issues mm. is they love making the big gestures because it's free. You can be like, we are actually. Look, reports, reports of depression I mean, in Birmingham. What a
3: few <laughs> sheets of plywood cost to encase a bull and a bit of paint to write the Samaritan's number on there? Not much, I would imagine. Yeah. A lot cheaper than therapy for all those people lot, in or, Birmingham. Or a
0: lot cheaper than just, I don't know, making it so that they have somewhere to live? No, 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 no. Let's give a bull a place to live.
3: Well, they're putting so many therapists out of business. Like, every therapist in Birmingham is going to be like, oh, fuck, they've encased the bull. I'm fucked. <laughs> That was I my, have no clients.
0: That was my last source of clients. Yeah. <laughs> people who were like, I'm almost better, I just wish they didn't yeah. case a bull. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. CVT, casing bull therapy. That's
0: right. <laughs> I just, I, I, we should encase more stuff, mm. you know, show yeah. the world we
1: care. Mm. What, yeah. el- what else would you encase,
3: Riley? Uh, Okay, how about this? Nelson on top of the column. Don't encase the column. <laughs> You've just got to build a box really <laughs> high up. Is he encased up there? I can't really tell. I'm and pretty that, sure he is.
0: And That giant Samaritans number on top. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. is that. Look, Skyriding. Are, are we able to do anything to actually help the like grinding poverty in no. London? No. Will no. You-
1: no. Did yeah. you see? Did you see that the Dartford Conservative uh, Council? opened uh, a food bank, and in order to celebrate the opening of that new food bank, they had a ribbon cutting with a buffet.
2: I did see that. Yes, I did. I mean- That's-
1: That's worse- that's done more to harm more people's mental health than the bull thing
0: could possibly have done to help it in an afternoon. That alone means that we're gonna have to encase, like, 50 pieces of, sort of, recent public art in the UK. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have
1: yeah. to. We can do Eric Gill's statue outside the BBC. We can
0: just yeah, do the, that. Box that up. The Angel of the North boxed. Gonna, well. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. encase a bunch
3: of Banksies. Yep. Look, there's a gay policeman inside that box, and he wants you <laughs> to get
0: better. He yeah. wants you to take time <laughs> no, for yourself. Like, okay. All right. All right. What about this? What if it? T- what if like every like everyone in the Conservative Party really loves the no bull <laughs> campaign, where they put the bull in the box, so you don't talk about bull when you do your mental health or whatever. What if they're like. Listen, this was great. We're gonna take this countrywide. We are boxing up every piece of public art. Yeah, that's right. I think it should be done.
1: I think yeah. we should do this. But we're gonna. That's that's the new like uh, TF demand. Yeah. When will you box up
0: every piece of public art in the UK? It's all shit. It's all shit. It deserves. It. I have an idea. What if we start with images of like humans and we box those up? Right.
1: Yeah, what if we did that? And then what if we, we turned all of the churches into mosques yeah. also? That would <laughs> be fun. They're going to take um, all
3: the performance artists and put them in a big box? Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah we, we, could, we could ban music. Yeah, all the actual human statues in Covent Garden. Creeping
3: Sharia, uh, yeah, again.
1: We could again. Oh, we, we <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of, bunch of ISIS guys trying to smash up a human statue with a hammer. Well, no, how
3: about this, how about this? Jordanian <laughs> chef on Memory TV yelling about how Saddam Hussein, God rest him, would never have put a bull in a box.
0: <laughs> Come on, how about this, how about this, how about this? A human statue encased by a human box. Oh, uh, with, that's with then a human just with the Samaritan's number written on his shirt, parading around outside. That itself Perfect. is public art. Yeah,
2: you should. Yeah, that, that's a form mm. of public art.
1: It says a lot about. Yeah. A it, lot of I'll of tell reality. you what. It Does more to benefit my mental health than anything else. That we've, uh, we've <laughs> Prince okay Harry
3: with. crying as he encases Ed Sheeran in a box, is begging not to be in. He's like, I'm sorry, wait, mate. Wait, technically, wait, you are art, and it's for the good of mental health.
1: When you think about it, David Blaine was the first person to invent mental health. He That's was. That's right, he
0: was. Yeah, yeah he was. Uh, uh, shall we? Who's ready for a jarring shift in tone?
1: I'm very- I'm so ready for a jarring I love shift. a jarring shift Let's do it. Let's do, let's do the vibe shift. Yeah.
0: We're going to put this segment of the podcast in a box for everyone's mental health. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I saw the podcast in yeah. half.
0: So- Uh, I'm going to throw to us in what for you is the future, but for us was the past, Mm. uh, and our conversation with Heidi about digital surveillance in South Africa. And we're going to see you, this group of us, Mm. in the present, but our future is going to see you in your further future after you're done listening to that. It'll become clear when we do it. (laughs) And there's one character
3: you'll notice the absence of in this next segment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, for this second segment of the show. Which we definitely Uh, recorded second.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I really enjoyed the first segment, by the uh, way. What was I your think, favorite part of the we're first segment? I think we are all really on fire. I, it's hard to pick a favorite, I think. No, I think really the whole thing <laughs> was just blasting all the way through was really Milo did top-notch. The, yeah, when Milo did the
2: voice, I found that very funny. I oh, did yeah. a couple of chuckles. That was juggles. very good.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that whole bit about Keir Starmer, yeah. fantastic. Wonderful. However, yeah.
0: however... uh. Reminiscing about the uh, first segment, which I mean, we could do all day, having misty-eyed, misty-eyed <laughs> reminiscing about where, how where much are we love the
3: first segments of yesteryear. No, nah, it's the trash <laughs> future's gone soft now. Uh, it's I'll the see. second
0: half. It's, uh, it's all gone to <laughs> no, dogs. Uh, if anything, uh, we have we've moved on for the second half. We have put aside our childish things, and um, we are very lucky to be joined today. Uh, by Heidi Swart, who is a freelance journalist in South Africa. And she has recently co-authored an article for the MIT Technology Review, which we will link in the description of this episode, uh, which I found uh, at turns uh, fascinating and horrifying, prompting me to uh, reach out to her to ask if she would come on and talk about it. perfect
3: trash future combo.
0: Entitled, uh, South Africa's private surveillance machine is fueling a digital apartheid. Uh, Heidi, thank you very much for coming on the show.
4: Thanks for having me. Yeah. um, So just
0: in the context of the article, right? Uh, the overall thrust of it is about how this profusion of digital technologies, specifically around surveillance technologies, which we talk quite about quite a bit on the show, uh, anything from just the profusion of cameras to the infrastructure to send the data from the cameras to uh, the AI uh, sort of programs analyzing all these images, have uh, exacerbated a lot of. Um, uh, I've exacerbated a lot of trends that were already going on in South Africa, but I wanted to know if you could do some some table setting for us, right? If we could talk about the police private security division in South Africa as a remnant of apartheid, how private security became paramilitarized, and just like how we got into the position that surveillance is making so much worse.
4: Yeah, so um, I suppose one could start off by saying we have a very high crime rate uh, we uh, it's it's just something that uh was always a problem and um after apartheid ended, you know everyone thought things would get better and uh, crime wise you know we're only really now experiencing uh the impact of apartheid many many years afterwards because the damage that was done in those times um you know people were forcibly removed, people were not giving life given life opportunities so it's generations, you know, afterwards that have been damaged. So this is this is what what we're sitting with now. The new government hasn't really helped, you know. They they've had thirty years to to really uh, try to improve things, and well, you know, they really have not done a bang up job, to be honest. So we have we have the situation where we had an authoritarian government, and then we've had a corrupt government, and now we still are here with high levels of poverty high levels of unemployment um and then accompanying high crime levels so there's there's nothing um extraordinary about that that's something that's been shown repeatedly that you know these things they go together so the the problem with with the security industry is not that people are trying to combat crime um people here really do have legitimate concerns for their safety the crime that occurs here is very violent you know usually when people get robbed there will also be assault involved um, we have high levels of sexual assault uh, high murder rates um, you know a guy would you know maybe you know steal your cell phone and then just for good measure kill you it's it's that sort of thing that 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 we see happening high level of violence so so people are extremely afraid um, which is why security companies are so popular, because the police, and this is the other half of it, the police have not really managed to keep up uh, with these high crime rates. They're understaffed. Um, I think they're undertrained. Uh, I think they um, have low morale. Mm. And there's very low trust from the public. The public doesn't really trust our police. And so the easy way out is to say, well, we'll just pay for our own policing options. Um, in the area where I live, I speak under correction, but, you know, it's a, it's a town with fewer than a million people, but there's only a handful of police vehicles around. So if you call because someone's broken into your house, you're going to wait a while uh, for the police to arrive. So it makes more sense to say, all right, everyone in the street, let's pool our money uh, and we hire these private guys.
1: Police abolition, brackets, bad outcome. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Basically, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's what will happen. Uh, people will just, everything just becomes privatized, really. So uh, the problem is this, that these guys that, that operate in the private sector, with the, with the police, there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, focus on them. Uh, there, there are places that you can go to complain about the police all right, there's, they have to, they're paid by taxpayers, right? And they're accountable to the public. So the arguments that some observers and academics and police officers themselves have raised is that these private uh, industry players, they work for people who pay them. So they have a profit motive. Uh And they're not necessarily there, you know, governed by strict laws the way the police services are. There is a private security act, uh, but, I mean, it's limited in, that body is really limited in its oversight of what these private security um, services do. Uh, You basically have to register with them, um, and then you're good to go. The thing is that uh, you, uh, you you have so many different private security providers. And some of them are are in surveillance services doing um, camera installations and so forth and, um, you know, just um, monitoring neighborhoods and such. Others are actually, you know, their speciality is response teams. You know, they will come out and see if there's been a robbery. They will come out and actually try and apprehend the people. Um, others just, you know, transport money, um, that type of thing. So, you know, and, and yet others just, you know, stand around buildings guarding them So there's a very there's a wide uh, um wide variety, but there's there's quite there's a spectrum really where these guys work. Uh, And like I said, there's there's probably there's roughly half a million of them uh, of these security guards active in South Africa, which really just dwarfs the police force. Uh, Are all of them armed,
1: or like some large percentage of them? Is is there such a thing as an unarmed guard in South Africa?
4: Yeah, not not every not all of them are armed um you, you have to have a gun license uh this is the thing you not everybody can carry a gun some do uh but you will also many guards will, will just simply have a radio with them and maybe a nightstick so f- fortunately it's not a situation where we have half a million guys running around with machine guns so it's not that mm. um so they can be armed um I am not entirely familiar with how the legislation around that works but I would imagine that they would have to at the very least have a license uh for their guns um and you know for, for to have a firearm license you it's a bit harder here to get a firearm well legally I think than it would be um in, in I don't know the US is big but so so I mean you'd have to go for um you don't have to go for uh, you know complete physical and stuff like that but you do need Hmm. to have some letter from from mental health professional and so on just saying okay look you you you're fit to own a gun uh and you can't own five you have you can only have one you know oppressive so yeah so so there is there are limitations there but but they are allowed to use um to use weapons yeah but not all of them do
0: so, I, I want to talk about the, um, some of the specifics, right? Drilling into the surveillance question, right? Uh, I'm going to quote from your article in MIT Technology Review, where you talk about uh, uh, sort of the profusion of cameras owned by these you know, private profit seeking companies. You say five years ago, this wouldn't have been possible, speaking of the many cameras with all the fiber optics. Neither the city's infrastructure nor existing video analytics could support sending and processing footage at the necessary scale. But when fiber coverage expanded, AI capabilities advan- advanced. Companies abroad, seeing the opportunity, began dumping the latest surveillance technologies into the city. The local security industry, forced under the pressures of this high crime environment, embraced the menu of auction options, and the effect has been the rapid creation of a centralized, coordinated, entirely privatized mass surveillance operation. Vumacam, which you give as an, as an example, the company building the nationwide CCTV network, already has 6,600 cameras and counting, more than 5,000 of which are concentrated in Johannesburg. Uh, the video footage t- takes feeds and. and Excuse me. The video footage it it takes feeds into security rooms around the country, which then use all manner of AI tools uh, to track population movement and trace individuals. And one one conclusion that the report uh, that the article comes to, right, is that the overwhelming majority of the people purchasing the surveillance are white, and the overwhelming amount of of uh, people surveilled uh, are black. And that this is sort of compared to digital. You call digital passbooks. I wanted to know if you could sort of go into that dynamic a bit.
4: Yeah, so um, I think the term digital passbooks actually was used originally by um, a researcher and writer called Michael Quet, who's written about this uh, extensively. Um, and his work's really worth looking at. So, all right, the idea about a passbook is this is an apartheid concept, right? Uh, what we had in South Africa were called, they were called homelands, right? Specific geographic areas that were demarcated for black people only to live in. Uh, They had residents in these homelands, but they did not have residents in South Africa. The minute they moved beyond the borders of these so-called homelands, really these were just small enclaves within South Africa, much like you would have um, reservations for Native Americans in the USA. So it was that sort of thing, except here they could not leave the so-called homeland without a passbook. If you were in a white area, and you don't have your passbook, uh, you were in trouble. Uh, you could get locked up, you could get beaten up, you could get sent back home, etc. So it was bad news for you. People needed passbooks. They needed to come from the so-called homelands to come and work in white, in white areas. They either did domestic work, or they did bricklaying work, or they worked in mines, etc. Uh, it would be some kind of low-paying job, right? So today, a lot of that hasn't changed. We have a much larger black middle class. There's been, um, there's been a huge improvement in many people's livelihoods, but we also still have a very, very large class of people uh, doing this, you know, hard manual labor uh, for little money, you know. Um, and so, you know, and also jobs that are, you know, that are very necessary but that are considered low skills, you know, like people working in the garden, uh, domestic workers, and so forth. That setup hasn't really changed. Those people doing those jobs are still primarily black people, and they are from. um, They face uh, huge socioeconomic challenges. The only difference is now they don't have to have passbooks, and they can live in the cities or at least near the cities where they work, right? Um, As opposed to um, a trip on a bus overnight from the homeland. The problem with Cameras and the idea of a digital passport is that when the people who don't live in these neighborhoods, who just walk through them, all right, are usually these black people who are just there to work. They're just there to earn an honest day's labor. But these are exactly the people who will be picked up by the cameras uh, and by people surveilling um, the streets, right? So these are the people that they keep an eye on. And these are the people that will either be flagged as, okay, no, that's not really an incident to be responded to, Um, or, yes, let's escalate this because this guy has been standing in front of this gate of this house for too long. So, I mean, I cannot speak for the rest of the country, but if I think of the neighborhood where I live, which is also predominantly white, um, there for a long time, I mean, I've, 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 we're not part of the, the WhatsApp group any, anymore, but for a long time there was a WhatsApp group It's still there where people who are in the neighborhood report safety issues. Um, and you can be sure that any issues reported have got absolutely nothing to do with white people. It has to do with black people moving through the white neighborhood and people not really wanting them to be there. I'm surprised so,
1: that it's, it's WhatsApp and not like – some sort of proprietary app that's taken over that space, like something like citizen might in the U S
4: <laughs> no people here, are <laughs> you see, it's so, it's so normal. Um, and, okay. And so here's the thing. Nobody says it out loud, right? Nobody says, Oh, there's a black guy in the street. Nobody talks like that, but no, because that would be, be racist. Exactly. <laughs> but you can be sure, you know, that once the person is, So here, I'm going to give you an example. (laughs) So this is, these people, this is on the WhatsApp group, right? So lady in house A says, okay, right. There's a very suspicious, clapped out city golf coming by here, four guys inside. They don't look like they belong here, right? So then a couple of minutes later, um, the man in house B says, no, they just passed us. I don't like the look of them, right? And so it goes. Yeah, they're all
3: wearing football shirts from that uh, team from the neighboring town.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
3: Yeah, these people just have very good eyesight. I appreciate that.
4: Then, like, after the, like, then finally the sixth or seventh person says, okay, those guys are the guys, uh, they're coming to fix my gate. Don't worry about them.
0: Uh, So, what essentially, what we're saying is, like, companies like, you know, Voomacam, which we'll sort of go into a little bit, have kind of taken that WhatsApp group and said, what if we automated it and put it everywhere in the country?
4: Well, I- well yeah, that's, 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 what the, that's what the fear is. My, that is my worry, is that you... Look, in our constitution, we have freedom of movement, all right? Um, but, I mean, I've worked as a, as a white reporter in affluent white neighborhoods many moons ago, all right? I've lived as a white person in more affluent white neighborhoods. I know people who are white who live in more affluent white neighborhoods. And the idea that there is a discomfort with people who are of another color and who are of lower income groups walking through the neighborhood, that that is something that you see. You see that as a white person. It is a fact. Um, and for me, the cameras, are, for me personally, as my personal views, is an extension of that. Um, because who are they going to be watching? Who are they going to be harassing? You know, the, and and the, the, the fact is that, like I said, we have freedom of movement. People are allowed to go where they want to go. They're allowed to walk through a white neighborhood. Um, the problem is just this. We have no way of ascertaining whether these private security companies actually, you know, how are they going to judge who will, they will stop and who they won't stop? Who yeah. are they going to talk to? Who are they not going to talk to? Who are they going to say, "Okay, move along, you don't belong here"? And who not? Everyone is basically seen as a criminal, and that's that's a, the that is an aspect of predictive policing. Everyone's a potential criminal. But against the Sorry, back-
3: did you say there's a
1: place where everyone's seen as a criminal? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just curious as to whether you think it's like. Um, whether you'd agree with the impression that I got, which is that that WhatsApp group, that sort of like state of vigilance is what security companies, that's a desired outcome for them. Because the more afraid you are, the more vigilant you are, the more security you're going to want to, you're, you're going to, want to buy, surely.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's something that people really, um, security companies have everything to gain and nothing to lose by people's fear of crime. I mean, without it, um i don 't think their their business models would work look i mean take for example uh cameras security cameras we don 't know that they work the 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 um the empirical you know research you know that can really you know affirm whether their effectiveness in preventing crime or stopping crime or maybe even catching criminals that's you know that the the evidence is sketchy at best it varies i mean uh, so, for us to be able to say, "I'm going to install these cameras here, and it's going to make you safer," that's a sweeping statement for which there really is no ground. It's the most um,
1: dangerous criminological question you can ask: Is hey, does any of this work, like at all? <laughs>
4: well, yeah, thing, to- we don't know. And so, what's happening is we're, we're giving up our privacy here for mm. uh, um, for what? What are we mm. giving it up for?
3: I'm very excited to start my South African security company where I go around to big houses and go, Hey, it's a pretty nice house you got here. It would be a shame if some black guys were to loiter outside it. You know? uh,
0: well, I, um, <laughs> I could arrange that. I, 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 if you want to talk about privacy, I think one of, the, um, one of the sort of stranger happenings, of course, in this story is that as, as these companies like, you know, uh, not just Vumacam, but also uh, uh, what some of the others, um, uh, NECXON uh, or uh, iSentry or whatever. Oh, that doesn't sound
1: ominous at all.
0: Yeah, where it's actually one of the big fight, one of the people, one of the organizations that initially pushed back against this profusion of cameras and analytics and everything was actually the highways agency, and they d- they said that we will not allow these companies to use the, the South Africa's highways to infringe on citizens' privacy.
4: Yeah, so my take on that was that um, that was an interesting case because the you know these. Of bodies aren't really known for giving a crap about people mm. um so to me it's it was we int- simply
3: cannot relate <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah it's hard, hard to explain but the government usually doesn't care so it was really um my take on that was that there was some pressure on them this is my sort of opinion i think there was some pressure on them from the local communities that and community members that didn't want the cameras, and in response, they tried to you know stop granting permission to VoomerCam to actually erect these cameras. Uh, it was poorly litigated from from the roads agency side, I think. Uh, I mean, but it it was very interesting. Um, it was very sort of it gave you a lot of insight into. How the security sector actually thinks about surveillance and privacy, which is really uh, privacy is, you know, <laughs> privacy is is something that you can give up, you know, easily. It's not really, I mean, there's no question. It's a no brainer. This stuff makes us safer. Of course, we're going to give up our privacy. That's sort of how they look at it.
0: And there's never any question of giving up your privacy making you, for example, less safe. No, of course um, not. I have to confess, I just did take a peek at the notes, and I've just learned who the CEO
3: of VumaCam is. And may I just put out there right now, name alert. Uh, name
0: alert. So let's hear from, uh, th- uh, this is, again, quoted in the article, uh, speaking of like, like, like discussions about um, privacy and, their, and the belief of the surveillance industry about what surveillance manages to accomplish. And so let's hear from the, uh, I'd like to say amusingly named, Ricky Crook. <laughs> John, John Q. Crimes to catch a criminal, you've got to think like a criminal. Uh, I'm sorry. I I I'm, I hope I'm. I've I've gotten that name wrong almost certainly. Uh, uh, no, so haven't. please do correct me. Oh, I
1: haven't. <laughs> no, it's up there with Michael Kill from the British Nighttime Industries. It's yeah, so that's strange. right.
0: <laughs> Michael Kill and Ricky Crook are at University <laughs> together. Yeah. So this. Let's hear from the amusingly named uh, Ricky Crook. Um, so this is also as as he's responding to the claim that you know it's. That actually, it is as you said earlier on in this in this uh, discussion, like it is this extreme any uh, uh, inequality that like you know that drives sort of social unrest and all this. Um, Ricky Crook says Vumicam's technology is honed for the purpose of preventing crime, and as such, uh, does not have mass surveillance capability nor intention. Oh well, that's he then okay. Says then that uh, says that to suggest <laughs> Ricky that Ricky <laughs> <laughs>
3: Crook was quoted as saying, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: then and then uh, suggests that. Um, Uh, uh, You know, anyone claiming uh, otherwise is uh, engaging in something intentionally malicious, defamatory without any basis in truth. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Don't insinuate that I, Ricky Crook, am up to no good. (laughs) So but what he says, what I want to get into is he says, look, surveillance infrastructure honed on crime is key to curbing and preventing and understanding crime, which currently impedes the investment in economic growth so critical to job provision and poverty alleviation. So the security industry, the surveillance industry wants to say, no, look, your privacy and the privacy of like all, all these other people who would just like to walk through the neighborhood is kind of, um, uh, 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 an impediment to, uh, us allowing the economic growth to happen that will alleviate the poverty, pro- poverty that will uh, sort of yeah, prevent may, crime. May, maybe everyone
1: who's like loitering outside your house. Allegedly could get a job with one of the security companies.
2: Well, this also sort of just like culminates every, cause like one thing I was thinking about while Holly was talking was, um, you know, the, kind of like sales pitch of this is really kind you know it's it it it's in in the same way that every kind of surveillance tech sort of presents itself it is like an exploitation of um like very real vulnerabilities um and the idea that like well like if the state isn't going to be there to kind of fulfill its basic like purposes to its citizens then you really have no choice but to sort of let these private sector goons do that but then simultaneously and i think this is happening in the uk as well where like the kind of biggest industries and like tech are you know FinTech and funnily enough, surveillance tech. And obviously they have like a relation, but the fact that like government ministers in the UK have sort of like um pointed at these two, you know, emerging kind of sectors and you know, believing that ultimately these are the sectors that are going to like keep the economies afloat, like surveillance companies and surveillance technology companies are in this very unique position. Of like not only presenting themselves as like an economic necessity, but like a social necessity as well.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the South African government might not have the same opinion given this, this uh, roads agency business. So, like, what what is the sort of government attitude towards these companies? Would you say?
4: Well, the road agency is just one. Hmm. I was going to say tiny fraction of the government and of local government. It's not even a, of national government. Ah, I see. So what's happening is I think increasingly the police are working with private security um, agencies, especially, you know, using this type of technology to, I think the piece also talks about it a bit, you know, to, to do their own um, crime fighting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it, it suits them because they, it's unregulated, right? So for, if they wanted to use, do a number plate search with Voomacamp Systems they would just go to a private security company, give them a number plate and say, please, you know, can you can you look for this number for us? Right. Um, and that way um, they can, you know, bipod using their own system, their own system would would require a bit more um, administration. They have to open some kind of an inquiry docket uh, and then they would be able to, you know, link that to Vuma Camp Systems. Uh, and, and you know, maybe find or get a result. But if you go straight to secu- security uh, firm, uh, you give them the number, then you can, you know, uh, f- skip all your own admin. The thing is this, the uh, RumorCam is also linked to the police's wanted vehicle database, right? So the, there's a link there. So they can, it's just a, a database of number plates of vehicles that have been involved in a crime or that may be, um, you know, have been stolen, et cetera. So, Vumacam can pick up a number plate belonging to one of those vehicles, uh, and so that there's already an official link between Vumacam and the police, right there. And then the second layer is Vuma, uh, the police actually saying, "Wait, are are you? We're not even going to use our own own database. We're just going to feed it to one. Our, feed our uh, wanted vehicle number plates to one of Vumacam's clients. That's even quicker. I don't know if that makes sense." Yeah, no, no well, definitely.
0: It's, this, it's, it links to actually something else that you talk about sort of towards the end of the piece as well, right? Which is um, that, there are, that there are now currently discussions between, I don't think it, it wasn't Vumacam, it was one of the others, um, with just linking an entire database of everyone in the country's photo up to their uh, 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 facial recognition systems so that um, the, they can sort of track anyone anywhere.
4: Well, you see, this is the that is the absolute worst-case scenario, Um, and that is theoretically possible. And I think it's also it's the direction in which we're moving. We're not there yet, but it is the direction in which we're moving. Uh, Facial recognition is getting you know better quite quickly, uh, as you know. Um, And if you had a good enough um uh, surveillance camera surveillance camera network right and you could pair it with good enough facial recognition that's then connected to for example let's say our government's uh, national population registry um it would it would mean that if you connected those systems that you could not only find me in my government's you know database you could also potentially pull up all my locations based on for example, my LPR um, LPR camera hits license plate registration camera hits on my car, and whenever my face was captured by your your camera system, um, and this need not be these need not be cameras that are you know facing the street. I'm talking about cameras pe- placed at ATM, as you enter and exit shopping malls, um, etc. So, so they might not capture your you know every single step, but you will certainly, they will certainly have enough data points, you know, to sort of pinpoint your movements. Um, the point is just that it, it's becoming easier and easier to integrate these different systems. And these systems are becoming more and more capable. And the relationship between government and the government wanting these services and the comp- the private companies offering these services are getting stronger and stronger. So, so for me, that is, that is, you know, the that's where it's, it seems to be moving. We don't know um, if it's going to get there. We don't know when it's going to get there. But it certainly is something to look out for.
0: And one of the things that you've described, just sort of by way of um, sort of thinking about the, well, well, what next question in another way, is that uh, quite often, you know, you even you say this towards the beginning of the piece as well, is that it uh, international private security companies love to just come and just try shit out in South Africa. And, they, and that South Africa can end up being a bit of a model or a testing ground for how surveillance gets done in the rest of the world.
4: Yeah, so that idea... Um, okay, so look, we have a lot of... There are a lot of people, entrepreneurs in South Africa. People want to make money here, right? I mean, Voomacam is one case. Uh, there's another uh, company called AI Surveillance. I think that we also... Inter, um, my colleague inter interviewed this guy in the piece from AI Surveillance. And those guys, they're entrepreneurs. Uh, yes, overseas companies are looking for sales here. But the people that are driving it are South Africans themselves. Um, I think overseas players just provide the technology. They're just here to say, all right, where can we sell? Uh, it's um, So, yeah, it is, it is in part, yeah, let's dump our tech into the country. But it is also... Uh, local people and our government as well our government agencies as well they are all too uh, eager to purchase the stuff
1: mm, sort of a symbiotic relationship like you mentioned with the police
4: yeah it's a lose lose for the rest of us
1: yeah whoever wins we lose fantastic
4: yeah
0: <laughs> that's right well uh,
1: alien versus crook
0: <laughs> yeah alien versus crook <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say, um, I think that's about all we have uh, time for in this segment. So uh, Heidi, I wanted to thank you so much for coming and uh, talking us through this today. This was very interesting, if also chilling.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great talking to you guys. And yeah, thanks for taking the time. Have any time. Thank you.
0: you can uh, check out uh, Heidi's article and uh, the show notes. and We're also going to link her Twitter there as well. So give her a follow there uh anyway i'm going to throw yeah,
3: check up on her movements
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, legally speaking do not do that Oh, no, do not do that <laughs> legally speaking that is not uh, allowed to do unless you're a Voomacam. cam uh, terms <laughs> and conditions apply uh ricky crook accepted um you know, so uh we're gonna we're gonna go back to uh us in the future past uh to finish the outro ah thank you very much us from mere moments ago plus a couple of unusable minutes by the way i might Ooh. add um, yeah, and what were those about Uh, and i want to just say uh thank you very much for listening to the show uh, I had a whole segment on the Queen's speech and how like not important, it's weird not important. Yeah, statues not important in bo-
1: Put the queen in the box, fuck it. I don't give a shit.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think the queen might be close. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be so good for the <laughs> in honor- Now that now that is the prestige. <laughs> to safeguard the nation's mental health, we are putting the queen in a box. She's not dead. <laughs> uh-huh. I can't stress enough that she is not dead. She's volunteering <laughs> to go in the box in order to improve the- and to ensure she doesn't. Come out of the box and ruin the mental health again. We're gonna bury her. Um, she is. She's alive. She, her favorite music is on down there. She's got an air tube. It's not a problem. She's been trained by
1: magicians for this. Um, this is. You know. This
0: is what it's about.
1: Her Majesty the Queen has entered uh-huh. a box.
0: And and if you're feeling low, the I'm, number for
3: the Samaritans is on the side of the box. I'm I'm down here in a hole in the ground with Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I, I I have to say, Ed, I can feel the shape of you <laughs> to serve her in the afterlife. Due to the size of this box, <laughs> <laughs> a court a good loot player, Ed Sheeran.
0: <laughs> oh my! Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, that yeah. jarring shift in <laughs> tone. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway. Uh yeah, I was gonna talk about how yeah the the Queen speech is basically nah, saying oh we're nah, back to old boring Toryism weird yeah. boring. Uh, so I want to say thank you for listening to this free episode of TF. Don't forget there is a bonus episode. It is five dollars a month. You can get a second episode every week. I nearly remembered remember <laughs> nearly remembered nearly didn't remember the business model of my own show. Mm. Uh, so excellent work there. Uh, we will see you. On the bonus. And, uh, Bye, I really enjoyed the Bye. collaboration you did with Devlin. Yeah. <laughs>